when I was a young man, and Father Mario was middle-aged, let's just put it this way, several years ago, there was a book and eventually a movie entitled Catch 22. The phrase Catch 22 eventually became a part of our day-to-day -day, uh, vocabulary, an often used expression for a situation that appears hopeless. An example of, say, a catch-22 is the person who is told that he could not get a job unless he belonged to a union, only to find out that he can't join a union unless he has a job. Now there is a classic catch-22. Well, the woman in today's gospel was a real catch-22 situation. She was the helpless victim of an absolutely corrupt system. Now, I don't have it as fact, but my heart and my head tell me most likely she wanted the unjust judge to help her get the inheritance that her husband had left her, had intended for her. Her adversary was probably a lawyer who was holding back the money that was rightfully hers. The catch-22 was that in order to get a hearing with the judge to get the money, she needed a bribe to pay him off. Since she didn't have any money to bribe him with, she couldn't get a hearing for the money that was hers. In Jesus' time in Israel, women had absolutely no rights of their own. Their rights came through their husbands and when widowed, then through a first son. So if the widow didn't have a family to take care of her, she was really up against it, especially if she had small children. So in this impossible situation, the poor widow uses the only means open to her, faithful to the old adage that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. She comes to court every day, and she makes a scene. How many mothers and fathers right here today in this congregation wouldn't do exactly the same thing if there were children at hung, that were hungry at home and you knew you had money, you just couldn't get to it. For the sake of his personal peace of mind, the judge finally gives her what is rightfully hers. You know, most of Jesus' parables involve a similarity between the main character and God. That's why we say when it comes time to preach on the prodigal son, eh, it's really about the prodigal father, the father who is wasteful of his love to a son who's a bit of a reprobate. Most of the time, there is a one-to-one -one connection between that main character and God. But here, the point of the story is difference between the corrupt judge and God. Instead of similarity, it's a story of contrasts.
through her situation. And though it appeared hopeless, the woman never gave up. With God, however, Jesus is saying that our situation, whatever it is, is never hopeless. God is not like the corrupt judge. He doesn't have to be bought off before he'll answer our prayers. God is always approachable. I'm assuming in a congregation this size that there are some people here who think that God doesn't hear their prayers. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if there are, then today's gospel story is for you. God wants all of us to come before him with all our needs and all our concerns. And the needs and concerns of others as well. He always answers our prayers. Although the answers may not be exactly what we'd like them to be. Okay, so you're asking, what's the point of praying if God already knows what we want? Or why bother praying because whatever I ask for never really seems to happen? Maybe these questions occur because down deep, we have a sneaking suspicion that God is just like the unjust, hard-hearted judge uncaring. Maybe that's why Jesus used this particular type of judge in this story. But we have to persist in our prayers, regardless of outcome, not because God is hard-hearted, but because we are. I want you to hear that again. Not because God is hard-hearted. We are. When we ask God for something, are we trying to get him to change his mind? That would make God just like the unjust judge. And the point of the story, as we have just seen, is that God is not like the corrupt judge. No, our prayers don't change God. They change us. Think about that for a minute. Our prayers don't change God. They change us. There was, well, 50 years ago, a bumper sticker that said, prayer changes things. I remember the dean of the seminary came bounding into the room one day and slammed his book down on the desk and said, Folks, prayer doesn't change things. The room got deathly quiet. He said, Prayer changes you. You change things. We have to persist in our prayers, regardless of outcome, not because God is hard-hearted, but like I said, because maybe we are. 
When we ask God for something, we're not trying to change his mind. That would make God just exactly like that unjust judge. The point of the story, as we've seen, is that God is not an uncorrupted judge. We have to be open to God working in our lives. However, he chooses to work. Prayer reminds us of our need for God. Oh, how easy it is to forget our need for him when things are going well for us, when our 401k is growing, when, oh, think of all the things that were so good. Now maybe not so good. Well, I would suggest it is precisely at these times when the sun is shining on us that we start to think that we can make it on our own. We think that we can get by. We can get by <clears throat> because of our cleverness, our hard work, our luck, our beauty. By knowing the right people, even by trying to be so good that God will just have to listen to us and grant our requests. Now, God is not a disinterested bystander watching us from afar and letting all our prayers go in on the answering machine, okay? He loves us and wants to be an active part of our lives. If he only watches from afar, well, why would we pray at all? We pray because we know he cares. Why would Jesus give us his own body and blood in the Eucharistic feast if he didn't love us and want us to have faith in him? You know, people who love each other want to be together all the time, not just when one of them wants something. And so it goes with Jesus. He deeply wants us to be intimate with him all the time. Today, God will form an eternal bond with Aliyah and Jaden through the sacrament of holy baptism. And that bond will last all the way through to eternity. They, those two little ones, will join us in this parable. Because you see, all of us really are the helpless widow. Unless God comes to our aid, we are ultimately lost and without hope. But because of his love for us, God is watching us constantly. You see, now, this is a scary thought. God is watching me preach this homily this morning. God is watching you listen this morning. Watching to see if we're the kind of people who will stay in his face for our children, for our grandchildren, for our world, for our lives, for our very eternal souls. 
We have to always realize that we need him and we love him because that kind of faith is what Jesus is coming to look for. And so this parable closes with simple words. When the Son of Man, when Jesus returns, will he find that kind of faith on earth? Amen.